Welcome to the official podcast for the Society of Urodynamics, Female Pelvic Medicine, and Urogenital Reconstruction. Here you will find podcasts highlighting clinically relevant topics, ongoing SUFU initiatives, SUFU member highlights, and much, much more. All right, well, welcome to our next session. My name is Ann Suskind, and I'm a urologist and health services researcher from UCSF. And today I have the privilege of moderating the session titled Fact or Fiction, where our panelists will delve into the evidence or lack thereof for the use of vaginal lasers in FPMRS practice and of various treatments for recurrent urinary tract infections in women. To this end, we will hear presentations from two esteemed panelists. First, Dr. Nareet Rosenblum, an Associate Professor of Urology and of OBGYN from NYU, will speak to the use of different types of thermal energy devices for the genitourinary syndrome of menopause and other indications. Following her talk, Dr. Dwayne Hickling, Assistant Professor of Urology at the Ottawa Hospital, University of Ottawa, will dispel myths surrounding the use of increased water intake, methanamine, D-mannose, probiotics for the treatments of urinary tract infections in women. Both speakers will review the current evidence of their topics to distill down for us what is fact and what is fiction. And following both of their presentations, we'll have a brief live Q&A session. So please do type your questions and comments into the Q&A box and we'll get to as many of them as possible. I'll turn it over to Dr. Rosenblum, thank you. Good morning, my name is Nareet Rosenblum and I've been invited by the SUFU Organizing Committee to discuss with you the use of vaginal lasers and how we should incorporate them into every FPMRS practice. Thank you to the Organizing Committee for giving me this invitation to speak. I have no disclosures that are relevant to this talk. So today's talk will cover the types of vaginal thermal therapy currently available, the clinical applications of these therapies, We'll discuss evidence-based data for these therapies. And finally, how do we fit these into our FPMRS practice? There are three main types of vaginal lasers or thermal energy devices. The fractionated CO2 lasers, which are the FemLift, FemLift Alma and the Mona Lisa Touch. There are several radio frequency systems available listed here. And finally, the YAG lasers, which are the Intimalus and the Petite Lady Lutronic and we're gonna cover each of these three areas individually. To start off, let's talk about fractionated CO2 lasers. These are probably the most common known to us in FPMRS practices. These are minimally ablative laser therapies that have been shown to be safe, precise, and efficient for skin resurfacing in the dermatologic community. They destroy the epidermis and dermis in micro treatment zones inducing wound healing, and this leads to new deposition of collagen and elastin fiber. This is meant to restore vaginal collagen, hydration, and elasticity, particularly in postmenopausal women who are suffering from GSM or the genitourinary syndrome of menopause, which we formally refer to as vaginal atrophy. These lasers have also been marketed for the treatment of vaginal laxity, urinary incontinence, and sexual dysfunction, and the wavelength is listed here. Histologically, you can see on the right, one month after Mona Lisa touch treatment, this is a biopsy of the vaginal mucosa. There is thickening of the epithelium in response to the laser treatment, 
lengthening of the papilla, increased glycogen storage and increased fibroblast activity. The thermal effect reaches 0.2 millimeters in depth, so quite superficial. And this is done as three sessions at intervals of four to six weeks with booster treatments needed at 12 to 18 months to improve clinical effect. The evidence for vaginal CO2 lasers is quite low or poor. It is primarily made up of prospective small observational studies. Munir et al. did a meta-analysis last year of 14 such studies looking at vaginal CO2 laser in 542 participants. This meta-analysis did show improvement in quality of life and vaginal atrophy symptoms with some structural changes seen on vaginal mucosal biopsy. However, none of these studies had a sham or control group uh, and none of them had any uh, comparison to vaginal estrogen. So overall, these authors described the body of evidence as being quite low, although uh, the reassuring um, point is that the adverse events profile is quite minimal and transient. Moving on to YAG laser, YAG is a photothermal effect up to 0.5 millimeters in depth. It causes a mechanical pull of the deeper tissue layers, stimulating both collagen and angiogenesis. It's also being used to treat uh, GSM and has also been marketed for the treatment of premenopausal vaginal laxity. Again, the evidence is quite poor with YAG laser. These are small numbers of prospective case series with short-term follow-up. There is, however, one uh, multi-center longitudinal study that was prospective in nature known as the Vaginal Erbium Laser Academy study. This looked at 205 women with GSM symptoms and had a two-year follow-up. These patients did see significant improvements in vaginal dryness and dyspareunia up to 12 months after treatment. However, there was a decline in clinical effect at that point. Um, the last uh, type of thermal therapy for the vagina is radiofrequency. This is an electromagnetic wave which generates heat upon meeting tissue impedance. This leads to stimulation of collagen production by activating both heat shock proteins and an inflammatory cascade in the tissue. It has been marketed in aesthetic practices, especially in plastic surgery, uh, for vaginal laxity as well as for functional improvements in women. It is not uh, FDA approved for the treatment of vaginal laxity, but is being marketed uh, as such. There is one multicenter prospective trial looking at radiofrequency vaginal therapy. It is a randomized sham controlled study using a monopolar radiofrequency device known as VIVEV. The primary endpoint in this study was the report of no vaginal laxity on a vaginal laxity questionnaire at six months. Of note, this is not a validated questionnaire, but it is what was used in the study. This involved a single radiofrequency treatment of the vaginal introitus versus a sham treatment. Overall, at six-month follow-up, 43.5% of the treatment group versus 19.6% of the sham group reported no vaginal laxity at six months. There were significant improvements seen in the treatment group in FSFI scores. The safety and complications of the treatment were not included in this study as endpoints, and the authors did remark there was a significant placebo effect in the sham group. Vaginal lasers have been thought about for the treatment of recurrent urinary tract infections in women. There is one study looking at vaginal laser treatment and the vaginal microbiome in postmenopausal women. This was a prospective case series of 53 women and the effect of treatment on their vaginal microbiome. 
the CO2 fractionated treatment did result in a decreased pH as well as increased lactobacillus predominance. However, this study did not look at the risk of urinary tract infections in this group. Overall, I think you can appreciate there is a paucity of evidence looking at all three modalities of thermal therapy for the vagina. There are no uh, randomized controlled trials looking at laser therapy for the treatment of genitourinary syndrome of menopause. We do not have long-term studies, and more importantly, no trials comparing vaginal laser to the standard of care, which is vaginal estrogen therapy in the treatment of atrophy. We have no significant evidence-based data to use this for stress incontinence or overactive bladder. So I think all of you can see we need well-designed sham controlled trials, as well as trials comparing vaginal laser to the standard of care, which is generally the estrogen therapies. So how do we apply the use of vaginal lasers in our FPMRS practice? Primarily, uh, it can be used for the treatment of atrophy, which is refractory to vaginal estrogen in patients who have persistent symptoms. This can also be applied to GYN cancer survivors, especially those who've had endometrial cancer or various forms of breast cancer where the use of vaginal estrogen may be relatively contraindicated. The questions going forward in addition to these groups would be, can we use laser therapy as an adjunctive therapy to women who have some response to vaginal estrogen but are not satisfied with the response? Can we use vaginal lasers in the recurrent UTI patient postmenopausally? And that question remains to be answered. And is there application for vulvar dermatoses, specifically for lichen sclerosis that is refractory to topical steroids? Informed consent is really critical with patients. We think uh, this is gonna be most applicable currently for the treatment of atrophy, especially in cancer patients. May also be beneficial, as I mentioned, for vulvar skin disorders, which are refractory to standard therapy. But the bottom line is we need well-designed trials. So those of you using a good amount of vaginal laser should uh, get together and put together some trials that would benefit our society and those of us practicing FPMRS. The FPMRS specialist is really best equipped to offer this therapy, much more so than the plastic surgeon. We need to set realistic goals with patients and what is expected in terms of treatment of GSM with short-term improvement and the need for maintenance treatments following the initial three treatments. We really, as I said before, have no data to support the treatment of vaginal laxity, stress incontinence, and overactive bladder, although these are currently being marketed for those purposes. Thank you very much, and I appreciate uh, any questions that I might be able to answer at the conclusion of our session. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Sufu Podcast. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast streaming app. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter with our handle at SufuOrg, where we'll provide real-time updates of our next podcast episode launch. And be sure to check us out on our website, www.sufuorg.com.